Concerns have been rising about student mental health on college campuses for the past few years, perhaps ramping up, if not starting with the pandemic, and certainly moving beyond it. Princeton is no exception. To examine the issue, Paul asked three students who have been leaders and mentors in this area to discuss what's going on, what they're seeing, and what can be done to help. So thank you all three of you for making the time to do this today. We really appreciate it. Let's start with a little background about each of you. Can you each give your name and a little bit about yourself, including anything you do involving mental health on campus? Uh, yeah, I'll go first. My name is Isaac Lunar. I am in the great class of 2024, a resident of Forbes, uh, come from the suburbs of Chicago, Illinois. And uh, concerning anything about mental health that I do here on campus, I used to be in the USG's mental health initiative a couple years back. Uh, I have since left that and now do Letters to Strangers as a co-president to that. Um, and in addition, I do a lot of mentoring for students on campus uh, through programs such as SIFP and PUMP, which I believe also has a pretty vital mental health component to that. I'm Chioma Ugunali, you, she, her pronouns. I'm a senior um, from Arlington, Texas. Among many roles on campus, I am at RCA for Butler College, a peer health advisor, um, and I've also been part of the team organizing Community Care Day, which launched this year. Um, I'm part of the Mental Health Task Force, University Mental Health Task Force, the Student Health Advisory Committee, and um, just a listening ear, I guess, around for peers on campus. Awesome. Um, I am Isa, Isa Mudashiru. Uh, I'm a junior from Bethesda, Maryland, or the D.C. area, as I often <laughs> refer to my, uh, my little home as. Um, I'm also a player for the men's soccer team, and um, in relation to mental health uh, resources on campus, I am a student-athlete wellness leader, and I'm also very involved uh, with the Carly Field Center, um, especially with their initiative called the Collective Care Series, where we seek to uh, center well-being for individuals on campus that um, you know belong to underrepresented, marginalized communities. Um, and yeah, that's a, that's a bit about me. So what is the problem as you see it regarding student mental health here at Princeton? I think there is a gap in between the resources that the university offers, students' perception of available resources and student mental health. Um, and that's not even to get into the mental health of and the well-being of our staff, faculty, and administrators, who I think are integral to student mental health and overall campus well-being. Um, but often I hear students um, share grievances or complain about the lack of mental health resources or not feeling connected to campus, not feeling heard or seen or appreciated by administrators um, outside of their capacities as a student. And it's really disheartening being in a lot of spaces with administrators and other students who are um, heavily involved in mental health and trying to bolster those resources. And knowing that um, a lot of students feel, I've heard the word hopeless be, um, be used to describe this this perception, this isolation, really, um, from student or from university resources. So. I think for me, the problem I see with student mental health here at Princeton is more so to do with the accessibility 
Now, of course, resources can always be approved, and they're not up to par here at Princeton. But uh, in terms of accessibility, uh, when you consider the academic environment that students are in, the rigor, the pace of the semester, there's not really a lot of time or opportunity to be able to use these mental health resources in the first place without any issues, especially if they have to do with academic, becoming more so of a problem. So if your mental health issues stem from maybe falling behind in courses or not doing well in a specific class, and you have to take the time in order to use those to use the mental health resources that we currently have, uh, a lot of students, I think, feel that it would only exacerbate the problem since they would rather spend that time trying to catch up or whatever it is. I want to say, yeah, I completely agree with both of you. Um, Princeton offers so many resources with regards to uh, mental health um, and, you know, just navigating the place, you know, with RCAs and, um, you know, your peer academic advisors and, and whatnot. And even as an athlete, you know, you're, you're navigating that space, you know, having to, you know, manage the time that you have to spend on the field and, and whatnot. And all of that compounds into being something that can be really stressful and challenging. Um, and I think there is this difficulty for the university to really reach the individual. If, it, if, if, if I may just very quickly, it, yeah. it feels like maybe a bit of a disconnect. We've got all these resources. Yeah. Getting students to use them yeah. and maybe getting everyone that students are interacting with from faculty to everyone to kind of agree on making this a priority. Right. That is. Does that mm -hmm. kind of feel yeah. like what you guys are saying? Yeah. yeah. And I'd even like go back to like the freshman experiences that you were talking about, right? Like, um, and this is not even talking about mental health. This is just talking about resources on campus in general. Like you have freshmen presented with all of these different offices, all of these different kinds of advisors to help them uh, on their way. And there are so many different kinds of considerations that students have to take into as they come into, you know. Princeton, their academics, their uh, professional developments, you know, their social life, things like that. And we have resources for every single aspect. And yet presenting all of these resources at once to freshmen, um, just how do you navigate that? It's Especially, yeah, yeah, it's just yeah. overwhelming. Um, and that's for like things that Princeton students tend to consider more important. Like I said, like their career advancement and their mm -hmm. academics. What about something like mental health that falls on the wayside? I mean, if they're already having like difficulty trying to access the resources that are supposed to help them with things that they consider more important, mm -hmm. then what about something that is not as emphasized here on campus as mental health? Mm -hmm. I mean. Exactly. And may, if I can add on to that really quickly, um, taking care of your mental, emotional well-being is not seen as valued on this campus and, if I may venture to say, in our culture and our society at large. Um, and so there is this trade-off, like Isaac was men mentioning, of should I work on this PSEG, get this essay done, work on my R3, um, or should I schedule that long overdue counselor appointment or make time to go and hang out with my friends in New York this weekend just to take a pause, take a break. Um, if they decide to do the latter, there is no professor, there is no um, career recruiter, job recruiter who is going to recognize that work um, outright, directly, and uh, reward that work versus doing something like the former, again, what Isaac was saying, focus more on like your academic or your career um, professional success. And 
I think that's just a component of how our society is structured, how higher academia is structured. And I am not saying that that's the way it should be. I think we can reimagine um, a better, um, more well um, <laughs> space and field to, to reside and inhabit. Um, but that is the way things are now. And it's a huge um, consideration, I think, for students, like we've all been talking about, when they're deciding which resources to use, if any. Yeah, and actually to, to jump on that, I think what I've been thinking about a lot with this question is what makes Princeton unique in this and, and what is, how is mental health, how does it play out on our college campus as opposed to other schools? And, you know, Princeton is just a hub of so many brilliant, you know, intelligent, hardworking individuals. And, you know, a lot of students maybe didn't feel maybe as challenged coming into Princeton from high school or were able to overcome challenges. And that's, you know, a testament to why they're, they're here. Um, but when you're here, it's just an entire new challenge. And I think for a lot of people, they haven't had to deal with mental health um, or it, mental health issues or um, just reflection or considering how they're feeling um, to the extent that, you know, Princeton kind of pushes us to. And so that in and of itself, it, it can make it hard to recognize when, um, you know, you might be going through um, something. And um, I think that's that's also what makes, you know, mental health um, a bit of a problem here and that it's, it's not really talked about enough, that it's okay to get, you know, preliminary help if, you know, you because you, you will end up going through things here. You will end up um, facing obstacles and challenges. It's okay to seek out a resource ahead of time, you know, before it becomes a problem. Now that gets right into what and kind of already begins to answer what my next question was going to be. Because you're kind of talking about culture. Yeah. You're talking about, you know, Princeton as an institution, as a place. What I wanted to ask was, what do you think is the root cause or what are the causes of the mental health challenges that you see students facing here? If, if we can look at it as a collective, everyone's an individual, everyone's mm -hmm. bringing their own things to the table. But if there is a public health sort of a group, you know, set of, of issues, what, what what is it? What do you guys see? I think it's just like a disconnect between the administration and the students over like what the administration believes constitutes mental health and like what are the factors that are needed to be considered in mental health. I think the administration just gets it wrong. Like they believe that what they do and what they say uh, like so far has been, you know, addressing mental health, but never, but to me, that's it's just not the case. And um, I think part of that goes into the administration's, I wouldn't necessarily say job, but um, this idea that they have to balance mental health with rigor, as if those two exist uh, as in, oppos in, in opposition to each other. And because Princeton has been set up as this uh, like high-thinking, rigorous institution um, in this conceptualized battle between rigor and mental health, the Princeton just sees it as mental, like rigor needs to be the, the thing that we focus on here and the thing that needs to take precedence over mental health. When in reality, I, I don't think that the, the two ideas uh, are, are in opposition to each other at all. I mean, when you have a student population that is uh, 
that has a better wellness, that's me- whose mental health is better, um, you're going to have a better performing student population. Mm-hmm. So that's at least how mm-hmm. I see it. I agree to the extent that that part of the administration's role is to support students um, as academic pupils, as people as well. I think the people-focused support is in development um, because institutions like these, I think, are first and foremost, again, academic, trying to create scholars and professionals, um, leaders in this world. I think we as students, we have a personal responsibility to recognize what works and what doesn't for our own well-being. And what I mean by that is, and this might um, come off as, I don't think abrasive, but perhaps a shock to some people, is that we have to take initiative to find these resources and to use them. And that's what we've been talking about. I'm sure we'll get more into to it. But... We aren't set up in a world where an institution like a university will provide all the answers to make our mental health um, issues disappear. Like you, um, I was actually talking with university student government president Stephen Daniels the other day, and he um, put it beautifully like this, and I hope he doesn't mind me quoting him, but he said that there's nothing an institution can do to make um, someone's genetic predisposition to depression just disappear. Um, for some of us, we are just built in a way that, um, you know, predisposes us to certain mental health issues. And I'm not saying that the administration, again, should just ignore this and should, should treat every single student the same and not provide adequate mental health resources. But um, we also just have to recognize, I think, and um, be okay with the fact that there is honestly nothing that anyone, any external force can do to make everything perfect and seamless for us. Um, I think there are many different ways for students to um, promote and support our own well-being and our collective well-being. Again, talking to, for example, talking to a, a therapist or leaning into faith communities or connecting with family, or even eating a really delicious bowl of cereal or soul food or any oh, yeah. your favorite food. <laughs> um, in that case, if it's cereal, go you. There are so many different factors that come into supporting our mental health, and I don't think we should just look for these outward um, sort of Band-Aid solutions or um, silver bullets to recognize something that's a really intimate and internal process that might even arise from our habits like social media scrolling or um, escapism through Netflix or Hulu or what have you, um, or even the people we surround ourselves with, honestly. Um, Mm -hmm. I think someone's friend group and family can have an enormous impact on their self-perception, their mental health. Um, that might not often be recognized. Like, for example, if someone feels like they can't be their authentic self um, around their group of friends but decides to remain with them for whatever reason, whether that is cloud or status by association or access to certain opportunities, it's just a matter of recognizing what one values and if the people around them share those same values and are invested in their own growth and development. So 
Um, lots of ideas there. I would love to hear y'all's thoughts. But I just, again, want to emphasize that I think the root cause of mental health, it can be a lot more internal um, than we like to talk about sometimes. Yeah. No, I think those are great, great points, Gemma. And um, also, Isaac, both of you guys, I, I, t- trying to tie kind of what we're all talking about together, um, it definitely seems as though that like the theme we're looking at is that you know, mental health issues here on campus. It's a systemic issue. It's within the structure. It's, you know, we have these mental health resources that are supposed to, you know, help us when we have a problem, um, but it's increasing year after year, you know, just hearing conversations about people not being happy um, here on campus. And, um, you know, that has to mean that there is something at the core of our culture here that is, you know, causing us to feel this way. And I'm, I'm not, I don't want to generalize, you know, you know, people are happy on campus and, um, you know, they're, you know, people have good times and people go through difficult times. But um, I think with mental health, I think it, you know, I'm not, I'm not going far to say that, you know, mental health issues are, you know, on the rise and it's all around, but um, here for sure on this campus. And I think, um, you know, it, it's, it's not going to fix it by just adding more resources and, you know, maybe adding more adding more psychologists is not going to you know fix the issue as a whole. I think we have to get at the root cause of um, you know what is going on. And I think to add to um, what you were talking about before, Isaac, um, about um, you know why do we have to have um, academic rigor and being well kind of be against each other? Um, and why can't they coexist? Um, and I think, you know, as as I was saying before as well, you know, people here are successful. People here have, um, you know, accomplished incredible things. And um, I think in high school, you know, we're very focused on GPA and um, accolades and achievements. Um, and when you get here and, you know, GPA is still, you know, something that matters, especially in the job market. I'm hearing my friends talk about it all the time. Um, that just creates even more stress and even more um, just unhappiness when sometimes it feels like you're competing against the brightest minds, um, to, to get these, to get into great positions. And, um, I think in that there gets lost this love for learning that, um, you know, in my personal life, I feel like I've been, um, wanting more from out of my experience here, because I think, you know, as a pre-med, you know, a lot of, a lot of pre-meds I'm sure would (laughs) hear what I'm saying. And, you know, GPA is important to get into med school. And, you know, it's, it's incredible that we're able to be at this institution that has such a great name. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, you do have to put in the work. You do have to get the grades. You do have to go to class each day and work hard. Um, but then I think that just becomes, um, you know, you get in this cycle of just doing the work because you have to rather than um, doing the work because you love it mm. and you love to mm-hmm. learn. And mm-hmm. um, I think, yeah, it, you know, a lot of it has to do with the grades. And, um, you know, it's a complicated issue for sure. And, you know, there's how do you, you know, judge quality of work and, and whatnot and, and outside of Princeton. But I think finding a way to return to how do we center the love for learning, um, I think, yeah. is really important. I think that when you're healthy, you're strong. Mm-hmm. When you're physically healthy and you're mentally healthy, you are strong. And when you're strong, you can do things. You can do hard things. 
like be a Princeton student. Mm. Does it yeah. feel like students understand that? That they understand that when you take care of yourself, you're building your ability to do these things? No. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> I think the physical side, yes, because just cause, right? You get the, you get the flu, you gotta, yeah. you gotta take care of yourself, mm -hmm. right? But uh, I think students here just don't recognize how much, for one, goes into making sure you're mentally well, uh, and two, how uh, important that needs to be, if not more important than uh, the, than your physical health, right? Mm -hmm. um, and you know the two tie themselves to each other, right? Like when you're like when you're eating, when you're sleeping, uh, you know. Obviously, those are factors that are going to help with your mental health as well. Um, but also, like, just, like, having blocks of time for yourself, mm -hmm. uh, making sure you're able to just wind down a little bit at the end of each day, uh, you know, allowing yourself to um, treat, you know, to treat yourself every once in a while. I think these are just things that students take for granted as it, like, uh, like it's just not a necessary part of their lives or maybe that it shouldn't be a necessary part of their lives and so that they can focus more on being a successful Princeton student. And it's, uh, you know, as I've mentioned before, I do a lot of mentoring specifically for under, for underclassmen and for high schoolers. It's just a, a theme I see time and time again. Some of the first messages that I uh, always make sure to give incoming students is, Make sure you're eating, make sure you're sleeping, make sure you have a, a block of time where you're not, you're able to do whatever you want and you don't have to feel guilty about any of your work or anything like that. Like make sure these are things that you have because that's what helps constitute good mental, good uh, mental health here on campus. Right. When it comes to health, I believe that students are by and large in survival mode. <laughs> Mm. Like Isaac was saying, it's the foundational, the basics, you know, eat, sleep, get some an hour of exercise and, you know, somewhat regularly. Um, but it's optimizing these dimensions of health. So what is like the least amount of sleep I can get so that I'm still yeah. functioning, yeah. you know, I can Preach. still go uh, to class, I can maybe grab a bagel or skip breakfast altogether. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, and it's like, go ahead. Well, I mean, like I even have like some of the students legitimately, uh, like they come to me uh, when I ask them like, how much sleep are you getting? They're mm -hmm. like, oh, I'm getting like four hours of sleep a night. That's like, and good, it's like right? valorized. Yeah, and know, I'm like, yeah, like, yeah, like that's that's good because then I get to have more time to do my P set or to do the readings that I have to do. Mm -hmm. And every time I just have to look at them in horror and be like, no, that's not okay. Like, yeah. I don't care if you have uh, if you're like late on your work or to do a P set, you need to get sleep. Like, that's just the very first thing that you need to do. <laughs> right, right. And I think even sometimes it's a point of bonding, um, of socializing and to an extent. Maybe a group of first years are in their study room down the hall until 2 a.m., 4 a.m., grinding through a P-set um, or Been another there. assignment. Yep. Yeah, I mean, we, yeah. we all have, <laughs> we all have, we all have to, some, to some extent, to some extent, mm -hmm. we all have, and I think it's part of the, the culture, the Princeton, if not the college culture. Um, again, but that doesn't mean it's healthy no. um, or that we can't imagine something different. But we treat it like a shared trauma almost. Right. Like we socialize over how little sleep or how uh, little or how 
infrequently we go to dinner, things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and, and the meals, giving the meals to me, that is just um, heartbreaking. Yeah, honestly, because that is, those are that's literally the time where you get the nutrients that your body <laughs> needs. Again, going back to like a biochemical level, you cannot function without these building blocks that you get from your nutrition. And I'm just like, oh, man, um, let's let's try to do better. And I will, too. Like, I'm telling myself this. I need to drink, drink more water, you know, just uh, make sure I try to have a colorful plate at my meals. Um, but I the one other thing I want to add is it seems as though oftentimes students are in this mentality of health uh, as a means of survival until we reach a breaking point where our body says, I need to rest. I need uh, sustenance, like truly. Um, And this breaking point might be when someone catches the flu or someone has a panic attack um, or someone sleeps throughout an entire day all of which I have heard students mention Mm -hmm. just in this semester. Mm -hmm. Um, And we don't, we normalize reaching this breaking point and then making a slight adjustment and then reverting back to business as usual um, instead of normalizing continued, you know, um, integrated well-being and not like optimize health. Well said. Beautifully said. Thanks. And I think, um, you know, in my personal experience, I I will say in in my classes, I've had professors that have been really open, you know, to like just understanding in in the fact that like we are really busy people. And, you know, sometimes we do need to take time um, to, you know, miss a lecture because you need sleep or you need to catch a meal. Um, And and yeah, personal conversations I've had with um, professors, they are really understanding. Um, and, you know, I know that's not the case for, you know, every department, every professor on, on campus, um, unfortunately. But, you know, it's just, it's so, your physical health is so crucial to your mental health. Um, and, you know, even just speaking from the experience of, of, you know, being an athlete, like, I have to, I have training every single day, and I have to give 100% in my training every single day. And that is, taxing like not only is that a major time commitment out of the day you know where i'm not you know doing work or um you know getting yeah class-wise not getting ahead where i'm focusing on the sport i love which i love but you know that is also a huge tax on your physical well-being um you know after practice i am (laughs) i am i am not someone who can work after practice i get way too tired or i am too tired um from having, you know, fully exerted myself physically, but also mentally, you know. Um, I think I speak for a lot of athletes when I say, you know, your mood is very affected with how, you know, training went. Um, and, you know, if you had a not-so-good training, you're less inclined to want to do anything. <laughs> um, good training, you know, things are better. But, um, you know, the physical just the physical aspect and taking care of yourself um you know, it's just important to every aspect of your day. Well, before I move on to, um, and this is kind of getting into the solutions question, um, but is there anything else that you guys want to say about that or anything about how Princeton is supporting students' mental health? Um, like I mentioned, I'm part of the University Mental Health Task Force, and we have an outside um, third party who's evaluating the state of mental health and our resources on campus currently. And um, 
preliminary results have shown that, believe it or not, Princeton is actually doing much better than a lot of university and colleges across the mm. nation, which just goes to show how um, widespread this issue of not only the mental health crisis, but the response to mental health crisis is, uh, or the lack of response. Um, and in terms of practical physical resources and um, responses from the university in regards to mental health, there has been an increase in the number of available counselors in our uh, counseling and psychological services diversity of counselors as well that some of them offer drop-in appointments virtually and in person we this year uh started a contract with a virtual mental health platform um, where students 24 7 can schedule an appointment with a provider somewhere across the country and um, a, a therapist specifically and get the help that they need um, there's also been expansions to our CPS CARES line, which is a 24-7 line, I believe, where a student can talk to a university clinician, um, mental health clinician, and there are efforts to eliminate co-pays for therapy appointments and provide transportation to off-campus um, therapists. And uh, just off the top of my head, there uh, is a mental health navigator on the TigerSafe app. We haven't quite promoted that yet, but Dr. Calvin Shin worked on it and launched it a couple of weeks ago, which essentially is in this quiz-like format where people can um, toggle or click through if they need an immediate um, mental health resource. Do they want a university-sponsored or peer-led source, resource, and these different filters until they get to a list of um, organizations or programs that can cater to their particular need. And then the last thing I want to mention is the Thriving Campus website that um, the Office of Student Life is working on, which is an effort to consolidate the different, not just mental health resources, but um, student organizations and campus life affiliated programs um, for easier access by students and including undergrad and graduate students. So there are, I think, a plethora of um, resources that the university offers. Again, do students know about them? Do students use them? Do students have the time to use them? That is another issue. And is there, are there more, um, programs that the university could offer, sure, um, but there are quite a few out there currently. Now, when you put it like that, that sounds like a lot. That's that really sounds like a <laughs> lot. So, but this isn't what you hear when you hear students talking about mental health. I mean, mm -hmm. th what they're talking about is how they're overwhelmed, how they don't know what to do, keep having tragedies. So where's the disconnect? Mm -hmm. Anybody know? I think for me, it's one of the questions that you ask, like, do they have the time to use them, yeah. right? Because especially at Princeton, like, I mean, they already are taking time out of their day to, you know, have less sleep, uh, to eat less, right? Uh, to not have any fun on the weekends because they have to keep working. I mean, if they're already so swamped and so stressed and so having to focus on their academics, 
what time it's like which like what Princeton student would see it as worth it to take the time out of their day to access these mental health resources. Right. Right. It's like a the way I'm thinking of it is like a misguided kind of sense of priorities in, yeah. mm-hmm. in that, you know, like work here. It's, it has to come first it is what it feels like. Um, your commitments and your course select the course that you selected, like those have to come first and they have to come first because you got to show up and you got to get the grades, mm-hmm. um, you know, and. That's just, unfortunate. Yeah. It, well, just to clarify yeah. uh, for any student listening, yeah. <laughs> that's not healthy. Yeah. Don't do that. <laughs> yeah, no. Your yeah. mental health should always come first over everything, <laughs> even your academics. Hopefully yeah. listen to that. Right. Um, and yeah, and like going back to something that you said earlier about how like we have an independent response, like we have an internal responsibility to make sure that like we're doing the things necessary Um to secure our mental health. Yes, that's completely true, right? Like we we should be making our own efforts to make sure that our mental health, um, you know, is, uh, is up to par, that it's something that we have a priority over in our lives. It's just so hard to do so at Princeton. It really is. I mean, and uh, I'm about to call out a specific class, but I love all the teachers in EEB 211. <laughs> I, I appreciate all of you. Um, but I like just uh, as an example, I had a lab report that was due over the Thanksgiving break. That's my break. I'm not <laughs> supposed to have any work during that time. I should be able to go home, be with my family, you know, have my Thanksgiving meal. And instead, I'm out here worrying about, you know, spider locomotion is what it was <laughs> like. Uh, why is that something that was OK mm-hmm. with uh, with a class? Right. Um, and that's just like one example of just how pervasive academics can become in Princeton students' lives, just how integrated we make it into our lives. We plan everything around it. And in that sense, where is the room for mental health? Where is the room to access mental health resources? Yeah. And to that point, too, that, that's so interesting because, you know, thinking about my classes, I actually had a paper due over break as well, like the Friday after Thanksgiving. You know, I have oh, dinner with my family <laughs> yeah. and back to work. Day after Thanksgiving, yeah. uh, but um, and it's it's difficult too, though, because I think, you know, as I mentioned before, I I feel like I have had um, you know, great con- conversations with professors, um, about you know well being, and you know they know that we have a lot of work on a day to day, and I think. You know, taking the work over break example, um, talking with one of my preceptors, you know, their decision to, you know, assign something over break was in their eyes a way of kind of relieving, you know, the week before break where you're at school um, and you, you know, are, you know, teachers tend to pile a ton of work on you before you leave for break. That was a way um, for them to kind of give you more time and more space to, um, you know, focus on the project. And, you know, like, I think there are people here that are concerned about the mental health um, that, you know, the mental health issues that students are facing here. And and that goes back to this whole conversation of it being like, you know, what is the root, what is the root cause of all of this? What, what are the structural infrastructure that, that are, you know, causing, um, you know, these issues? And I think um, because we are just such high achievers, I think we also forget that it's okay to ask for help. And I think it's, um, you know, people often feel as though they're going through things alone. Um, and, 
you know, there's so many resources that are given to us that it's like, all right, so it's on me to like have to navigate them. It's on me to like have to find the right thing um, if I need help. Um, but that takes a lot of time. And I think that adds into, you know, like, why am I wasting my time trying to do this when I have a paper due the next day or a piece I do? Um, and, you know, I think that's, yeah, it's just, you know, priorities are, um, you know, sometimes the, the cause of, or I don't want to say misguided because, you know, we all, you know, we want we have to do the work. We have to, you know, work hard. But um, sometimes we just neglect our well-being um, when, you know, that is core to functioning. <laughs> um, you know, and yeah, I think asking for help is something that we can get better at as a community. Um, I think asking for help is a really important life skill, mm-hmm. which if you don't learn it now, you will learn it yeah. in your yeah. jobs. Right. Because you got to be able to do that. You know, th- I'm starting to get David Bowie's under pressure, <laughs> starting yeah. to run through my head. Where does the pressure come from? You know, you're just talking about it being kind of self-driven. We do we have a population of very driven people? We oh, do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We do. But where where do, where else does it come from? Is this families? Is it knowing you're at Princeton? Is it faculty? Like, you know, is it all directions? Because it, it, it does. It feels like you guys are in these, like, individual pressure cookers. Oh, I think that just is uh, – that's a highly individualized question, I think. I mean, there are some, I feel – general pressures just to do well to make sure you can secure like a like a good future for yourself uh to make sure like that you're able to utilize opportunities and create more opportunities after you're gone from here i think that's just like a universal thing that students uh, experience uh but then of course there's there's just other things that you have to consider i mean like does your culture impact like what kind of pressures you feel right like do you have a family back at home that you want to do well for mm-hmm. um i know that's like a common pressure for like par- uh, for like kids who are uh, who parents were immigrants it's something that i feel right my parents were immigrants right uh, they had made efforts here in america uh, once they came to make sure that i had a good life for myself and now i have an opportunity here i better use it well mm-hmm. uh, right that's and you know uh, things like that right there's just like a uh want to make sure I have the correct term here, like interconnectivity, like intersectionality, there we go, Mm -hmm. Uh, between um, like uh, what it means to be a Princeton student and like uh, other factors in your life, your culture, your race, your heritage, um, just your your socioeconomic status back at home, right? Um, All of these things I think come together to help form just this, just this high pressure on a student, especially when you realize that at an institution like print, like this, like this is really, pretty much the best that's going to, like, you're ever going to be, right? Or not ever going to be. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, like, not ever going to be, like, this cool thing. Yeah. It's all downhill from here. <laughs> but, like, this is, like, a really good starting opportunity for you here. Mm-hmm. And, like, if you use it well, then it could lead to other really good opportunities down in the future. And if you use it badly, then what's going to happen? Right. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, and when you take that and the and every other, and all the other factors that a student has to experience in their has experienced throughout their life then yeah i think that that, that's a recipe for a lot of pressure on a student right right um for lack of a better word i feel like the majority of the pressure is self-imposed but influenced by all the factors that isaac just mentioned um culture precedent a lot of us come from being the top of our class Mm -hmm. going to really prestigious high schools or if not prestigious high schools where we took all AP classes, advanced classes, you know, we were the 
the golden student. Yes, yes, yeah. incredibly involved. Yeah. Um, and then coming to this space where all of a sudden you're a small fish in a big pond and you're surrounded by, again, like you said earlier, you said brilliant minds. Um, and it's a lot to live up to. And again, if you have a family back home, um, friends back home, community back home, I know some students come here and literally they were in the newspaper, their local newspaper, when they got into Princeton University. And that is a ton of pressure to put on a young person um, or any individual, really. And I want to particularly bring to the front our uh, students from lower income backgrounds and international students too. People who are away from cultures, from communities, from their family, anything that is even remotely familiar um, oftentimes to them, coming to the space in pursuit of a better opportunity and having to do so, again, um, isolated largely from their the support systems that got them through high school or um, earlier. And um, that is incredibly, incredibly hard. And I think it still adds to the pressure of performing well because you made this huge sacrifice Mm -hmm. to go to a foreign country, um, limited resources. So many people have invested so much to get you here and you just can't fail. Um, Whether or not there are sufficient resources available to um, protect, promote your health and well-being. That does not matter. You were put in this spot um, by the grace of God or whoever you believe in, what, if you believe in anyone, um, and you have to succeed. That is an incredible situation to be in. I admire um, international students immensely for that reason, many, many others, but for that reason in particular because I don't know how personally I would be able to do something like that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, so many, so much to consider, uh, again, when thinking about where the pressure is coming from, but it's it's self-motivated. We're a lot of type A people. We're organized. Um, again, we're clever, um, and we want to do our best. And, like, just imagine feeling like that. And then you start failing or your mental health mm-hmm. starts going down. Mm-hmm. Like, are you, really, are you really going to be going for your mental health or are you going to be trying to do something that's going to help you succeed? Yeah. Those communities care about you guys more than they care about what you accomplish. Yeah. And if they knew that you were having problems, they care about that first. Yeah. I appreciate that as well. But here's what I'm going to say. Yeah. I get that you care about me, but like. I want to give back. I want to be able to help. Our, I think this is a sentiment that just like international students, lower income students can recognize, right? I get that you care about me. I get that you like want me to be happy and healthy. I, I, but what I want is to give back, mm. right? I want to be able to succeed so that I can help you, right? And in the face of that sentiment, it, again, even, even that, I think even more so than anything, like it's almost um, like this idea of like, my well-being and my mental health um, doesn't matter as much as my possible ability to contribute to those back at home or to whatever community I want to help in um, or whatever, right? Um, It's almost like 
we put ourselves in this idea that like as long as I succeed, it doesn't matter whether my mental health um, is 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 like horrid or, or or like it doesn't matter if my mental health like goes down because um, like I am putting in the effort to succeed so that I can help my communities back at home so that I can help the people back at home um, so that I don't waste this opportunity to do so, right? Yeah. I think that's that's like an additional aspect of it. I think. Right, right. And I think we can get so caught up in this attitude that we forget. And I am definitely guilty of this too. Sometimes we forget that we are loved. Mm -hmm. You know, we do have an enormous, oftentimes strong, um, resilient, and consistent community, whether physically or um, just emotionally close to us, who is looking out for us. Um, but when we're, I think when we're in this environment, it is so hard to remember that we are loved for who we are. Um, and that isolation is, it's killer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, metaphorically, oh, yeah. it's, mm-hmm. it's really, it's really killer. Um, and I wish, you know, not only what Issa said, men- uh, mentioned earlier that we renewed this love for learning, but I wish we would just renew this love for each other. This love, period. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, Isaac, going back to your point about, you know, the pressure that, you know, students face sometimes when, you know, they're having to deal with these <laughs> crazy, crazy um, priorities, like choices that they have to make at such a young age, you know, of, um, you know, I ha- like I have to do well because I have to give back. Um, it's just that that is just that's pressure that's just a lot of pressure um on an 18 19 20 year old 21 year old um and you know that that is just a fact of the matter of our you know society and um and because we are put in this position that so few have the opportunity that you know we feel like we have to make the most of it and i just wanted to echo that um wanted to echo that and in all that where does the mental health go and where does it go yeah yeah What do you guys think needs to happen to make this a mentally healthier place with mentally healthier people? What do you guys think needs to happen? That's a doozy of a question. (laughs) Fix it. Go ahead and and fix it for us, Isaac. What do you think? Oh, boy. Um, No, that's a tough question. I have a couple of ideas that I guess I could. I mean, for one, please don't make it so that we have to use our breaks to do work, mm-hmm. please. I mean, like, if you're behind on, on just your general studies and you, you have to use the break to catch up, I get that. But, like, professors, please, please. Like, I know, you, I think from what Issa said earlier about how professors, like, they try to recognize, um, like, our just our mental health and our stability by assigning work during the break so we have to do it right before or right after, and it's just, like, a bunch. I don't think that's a good idea. Like... My break should be a time for me to rejuvenate, to rest, to not have to think about school. Please don't assign work on break. Um, I don't remember how many years ago, definitely before uh, we were here, Shioma, um, mm-hmm. that the, the the university shortened the um, um, academic semester. I think it was, what, like 16, 14 weeks to 12. Uh, this might have been like a while ago, but like mm-hmm. that was also a bad decision, I think. I think you just got to revert, allow us to have more time. 
I'm okay with doing finals over. Uh, yeah. I'm not. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> wait, yeah. wait, wait. Let me take that back. Yeah. Let me take that back. Let me step it back a little bit. Um, <laughs> earlier, not later. I, I'm okay with cutting a little bit of the summer break. Um, I I just think there that like the academic to me it's just it, it always comes down to like the academic pace and the rigor. Mm-hmm. We just have to go so fast and we have to do so much that it doesn't give us much of a time for breaks in between. And it's those breaks that are so essential to allowing us to rest, to rejuvenate, mm-hmm. um, to take on the next portion of work. It's it's just too fast. And uh, I mean, if I would boil it down to one statement, just it's got to go a little slower. It's just it's just you got to spread it out a little. It's got to go a little slower. That's exactly where my head was at um, in terms of the pace of you know, how this place moves. Um, I, reflecting on, yeah, my Princeton experience, um, I've realized that, like, what I felt I've been missing a lot of um, is, yeah, that love for just pure, like, learning. Um, and, you know, I you know I do my readings. And I, I enjoy my classes, and um, I enjoy the precept conversations. And when I'm doing the readings, I enjoy them. But because of the time constraints that I have on a day-to-day, on a week-to-week, and the pace at which we're just flying through material, it doesn't feel as though I'm grasping as much as I would want to. Um, and I think, yeah, if we just, I, I don't know what <laughs> what solutions necessarily to offer specifics, but I don't know, maybe like one less class being the standard of, you know, three, and you can just focus on three classes and, um, or, I don't know, just assigning less work and really, you know, especially for humanities, social science type classes, um, assigning, you know, less readings. You can really just focus on what's being said, the core of, like, you know, less um, that you can get more out of, um, I think can just remove so much weight off of people's shoulders to um, do a lot, you know. Um, so, get yeah, and for me, like, this, this whole question of how do we solve mental health, here on this campus, college campuses in general, it's getting back to learning being, um, you know, the core and, and not doing well, per se, or like, or, or not, let me rephrase that, not um, getting the grades um, or getting the numbers. It has to be about that love for learning. Um, yeah. Right, right. I completely agree. And to redeem my department a little bit, <laughs> EEB. I love the EEB uh, department. <laughs> <laughs> me too. Um, I want to offer um, one of my current professors, Professor Andrea Graham, as an example. She teaches this class on immune systems as, um, again, an example of what faculty can do to better promote student mental health. And she has taken a different approach to assessing learning, again, going back to that level of learning. And we have two creative, we don't have too many assignments, um, but two of our major assignments are more like creative writing projects about describing a parasite's interaction with a host. Um, so we did this year, uh, we had to develop our own parasite to attack a beaver. And then we switched the class, uh, switched the assignment around for our next um, paper. And it's like, think like a host where we're the host beaver and we have to write how we're gonna counterattack that parasite. And it should be, it is 
a class based on science, um, on the functioning of the immune system, but it's from a different angle and invites us to be creative and imaginative besides just kind of reproduce knowledge uh, or scientific paper or a lab report in a typical way. Um, and it's really refreshing. It's really refreshing. And I will say we did not have any assignments over the break, uh, <laughs> which was a, a relief. And another, other examples that professors have done are drop your lowest homework grade yeah. um, or do a group final project instead of a final exam. Or for organic chemistry, they will take your two best exams during the academic semester and your final exam if you do well on that and that will be determine your exam grade or any basically different combinations that will result in um, your final exam grade for the course being the best it can possibly be based off your performance on um, the exams throughout the semester. So there are concrete strategies that faculty in particular can do um, to ease the burden on student mental health in uh, regards to particularly the grades, because I think that's often at the core of students' concerns. Mm-hmm. Um, and even just broader from an academic perspective, because we've talked a lot about academics, and I think that's because academics is part of the yeah. root yeah. cause of <laughs> yeah. why yeah. Mental, uh, yeah. students are yeah, struggling students, yeah. mentally. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Yeah, I, I think just talking for so for professors talking to their peers and gathering as a department to brainstorm different ways that are still upholding that rigor, um, but also inviting each of them to consider their students as people as well. And I think one more thing to add on, um, you know, for the student body, um, I, I think, you know, have just have conversations you know i think when we think of mental health i think it often um we get stressed out by you know the term because you know it's a medicalized term and it tends to hold some weight um sometimes and um i think you know if we can work on reducing removing that stigma of you know having conversations about um you know mental health um with others i think you know that'll only help um, you know, and it doesn't have to be just like, how's your mental health, which is a great question to ask. And, you know, I'm all for that, but you know, how are you? Um, and really asking, how are you? I think is, um, a great way to stimulate, you know, conversation, um, about different topics regarding mental health and, you know, sharing self-care, um, remedies, you know, I, I, I like journaling. Um, I like meditating. Those are things that I feel like really, help me, um, you know, get through tough periods. Um, and I think just having, being okay with having more conversations about that, um, rather than, you know, uh, the amount of work you have to do, um, on any given day, I think can, yeah, just help improve, improve the student body culture, um, with regards to these issues. Yeah. You know, is there anything else that you guys want to say or address before we wrap this up? We'll always give this message, um, whenever talking about mental health. Um, especially to Princeton students. Your mental health matters, and it has to matter more than your academics. It's It, it really just has to be that important. Uh, it, it's not worth getting an A if it means you don't want to be alive the next day. I would say that 
There are so many ways to be successful here at Princeton and in the world at large. Um, and going back to our uh, earlier conversation, there is no way you can reach whatever imagining um, definition you have of success without taking care of yourself, which I acknowledge is easier said than done. Um, but I feel like if you find yourself breaking down or on the verge of breaking down in pursuit of an endeavor that you believe will make you successful, then I invite you to reevaluate that measure of success um, and reevaluate what your 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 journey, I guess, to that that measure of success, to that priority. Getting up in the morning, brushing your teeth, mm-hmm. calling your mom, you know, eating a really good meal. Those can all be part of your success journey, your wellness and and your wellness journey. Like they are not mutually exclusive. So to whoever is listening to this, student or not, um, definitely take a moment to to reevaluate what how you define success. And um, thank you, Chioma. Thank you, Isaac. And um, on, yeah, honestly, I just want to say thank thank you for having oh. me in this space with you guys. It's been, it's been so fun. And, yeah. and Liz, of course. Um, but this is also a podcast for alumni, right? Podcast. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. um, so I was thinking a little bit about, you know, what role can alumni play in, um, you know, this conversation? Um, and I had, I, I was, I was blessed with, with an amazing opportunity to meet a ton of uh, black alumni in the DC area over the summer um, and connect with them and hear about their experiences. And I think there is so much value um, in hearing from your experiences of, you know, having gone through this place as well, um, especially, you know, being a person of color and mm-hmm. seeing people um, that look like me, you know, <laughs> come out of this place and, and do so well um, in a myriad, myriad in, in myriad ways. And I think just hearing your stories um, and, you know, when you guys reach out to us, it's, I think it helps, you know, um, I think it really helps um, because, you know, we all have gone through this place, which is a difficult place. And um, I think it adds to um, that culture of, you know, you will get through it if, you know, we share these experiences and, and support each other through it. So I would just stress that um, with alumni to, yeah, have conversations with students. Yeah. All right. Well, Isa, Chioma, Isaac, thank you so much. Thank you very much for having us. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Podcast is a monthly interview podcast produced by the Princeton Alumni Weekly. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud. You can read transcripts of every episode on our website, paw.princeton.edu. 
Music for this podcast is licensed from Universal Production Music.